0: We are not born haters. It is an entirely learned behavior. In America in 2022, incidents of anti-Semitism increased 36% as such hate set a new high not seen since the 1970s. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. The Anti-Defamation League reports hate assaults up 26 percent, harassment up 29 percent, and vandalism increased some 52 percent. The Communities Against Hate reports 41 percent of it involves spoken word abusive language and 40 percent written abusive language. Coupled with this are incidents like the hostage taking at the Jewish synagogue near Fort Worth, Texas last January 2022 and the rise of more hate-related propaganda online. It's a combustible mix that is developing a new toxic America that must be pushed back against and ended. Toward that end, we gain insight on this infamous reoccurring trend from the regional director of the Anti-Defamation League Mountain States region, Mr. Scott Levin.
1: Well, unfortunately, anti-Semitism and hate of all kinds uh, does not skip any state or any place. Uh, We measured, just as it related to anti-Semitic incidents in the country, going from 2021 to 2022, they went up 36 percent. So that was astounding. Here in Colorado, they went down, actually, a little bit. So I'm very happy for that. But it was still, here in Colorado, 71 incidents of harassment, vandalism, and assaults. And that was still the second highest that we've measured since we started reporting on numbers of incidents probably in the late 1970s. Wow. So while, while it came down just a little bit here in Colorado, which is great, it still is at extraordinarily high levels.
0: Is some of this related to uh, people coming out of the pandemic itself, you know, being uh, being isolated and then just wanting to act out because they've had this pent-up anger? So does the pandemic play a little role in that?
1: Well, I'm sure that it does. I think there's probably a lot of different influences that are there. Unfortunately, as we've talked about in the past, uh, you know, when there is some sort of unrest or turmoil that's going on in just general society, people often are looking for the other to blame. And unfortunately, we found that the Jewish people for a long, long time have been that other. The pandemic certainly did it. Our economy uh being and you know this people not being able to predict if we're going up or if we're going down yeah um uh, the the political divisions that have gone on um that are there and then you know we also have a couple other influences that we're really noting when our political leaders and other leaders you know speak out in such divisive terms where everything is binary yeah uh people pick sides of where they're at and um Sometimes uh, people like the Jews, people of color, LGBTQ, uh, and others get sort of caught in the middle of all of that going on. The final kind of area that I think a lot about these days is, is there's just been a normalization of anti Semitism specifically and maybe hate generally, where people now have come to expect certain levels of things happening. Uh, you know, as, as you know, we've had celebrities and others that have used really poor language that's out there. And when they do, there are you know, tens of thousands of followers that that pick up on that, and that all has an impact. Yeah,
0: that's a couple of directions I was going there. So what our leaders say, or in some cases those who we vote for, when they start – uh, demonstrating that type of behavior there are those who say oh i guess that we could do that now and they start doing the same thing i remember in 2016 reading where um uh, one gentleman said oh I'm, I'm i'm glad that we have a new president now so i i don't have to be politically correct anymore so they, yeah. they, like, really
1: is not terrible
0: uh, yeah <laughs> and uh Uh, And so, you know, words have consequences. And so when leaders use the wrong words, their followers do the same thing.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think that we've seen that in so many different ways. And again, not just in anti-Semitism, but in so many different forms of hate. And, you know, you can have a different political positions on immigration, on job opportunities, on affirmative action, whatever, whatever policies you want to pick. But To use the kind of language that demonizes people and that, you know, um, really targets people, Uh that seems to be something that is is a much newer nuance that we've seen in the past, you know, seven, eight years that's been going on. And, uh, you know, I I think we're reaping some of the unfortunate consequences of that now.
0: Is the thing we really need to be afraid of is the... um... Or at least it seems as if some hate is becoming normalized in America where we just don't pay attention to it as much as
1: we did anymore. Yeah, definitely. That seems to be occurring. Um, Again, some people, when those same leaders or sometimes it's celebrities or athletes or others that, that people follow and try to model themselves off of, when they use that kind of language and it just sort of becomes normal kind of in the ether that's out there and you know uh, my my really at the heart of all of this is is that um there's really nothing wrong with us appealing to our better angels and being a little bit more cognizant and respectful of other people that are there uh, for the Jewish people for instance just one example of that would be when Kanye West now yay Spoke out, you know, whatever was bothering him at three o'clock in the morning. And he woke up and he tweeted uh, that he was going to go def con three to the Jews on the Jews. And, um, uh, you know, and I should say, Ye is now uh, likes the Jews. He goes back and forth. Yeah. And it wasn't an isolated thing. There were a lot of other um, text tweets, things that he had said and done prior to this. So it wasn't just like one mental break or something else that he was having at that time. It was really part of a of a pattern of that. But when he did that, being sort of the iconic figure and role model to some that he is, there were, we measured um, close to 60 then anti-Semitic incidents that quickly followed on that. Because really? I think sometimes when there is per, what seemingly is permission by our leaders and celebrities that are out there, um, then it, hey, if it's normal for them to do it, it's normal for me to do it. And I think the other part of it too, and it's, we're seeing this with mass shootings and with other forms of hate that are out there. You know, people, there's only so many of these kinds of incidents that people can be expected to absorb and respond to, and um, which is awful, because again, that's what serves to normalize it. But that happens with anti-Semitic incidents. You know, when you have, um, you know, like I said, in the country, we had 3,697 incidents across there. You know, what? Wow. how can you respond to everything that's going on at any given time? And um, all of that is really, really bad because it does all serve to just normalize this kind of hate.
0: And then you have situations like uh, Fort Worth, Texas in January of last year with the hostages, at the synagogue, at the synagogue. Come yeah. on, Adam. At the synagogue there.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's in uh, Colley- Colleyville, Texas. Yeah, in Colley- right Colleyville, there, Texas,
0: and 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 with, yeah. with things like that, and, and I know we spoke before, but right after the uh, the situation in Pittsburgh too, and so some of that
1: sure.
0: acting out happens like that. That just makes it worse, and and, and you can't normalize that. You just can't let that be no. normalized.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I think it's also important, those two are really good examples, too, of of interesting things about anti-Semitism. So in the Colleyville, Texas one that took place, uh, you may know, but um, the person that went in and took the um, Jewish people that were there on a Saturday morning to, to pray and to worship, yeah. when he took them hostage, it was there, he took them hostage because he thought that they had so much control— over things that they could free a, um, a a person from jail that this person wanted to to get released, it sort of bought into this sort of uh conspiracy theory or trope yeah. that's out there that somehow Jews have control and they they can take care of that and in Pittsburgh at the Tree of Life synagogue, when that person went in and we know what his motivation was because he wrote like unfortunately so many of them do their manifestos. But what he was upset was is the what is called the great replacement theory, which is that uh, not that Jews are going to replace other people themselves, but that they're going to allow black people and brown people and immigrants and what to these awful people would be, you know, the, uh, the lesser kind of races. Right. That the Jews are behind bringing them to this country all as part of a a strategy to somehow diminish the white man. Um, and so this person had happened to be an immigrant refugee Shabbat, uh, uh-huh. a Shabbat at which they were talking about immigrants and refugees are coming in. And that's why the guy went into the tree of life to shoot the people up. Um, and uh, again, these are really awful, awful situations and examples of anti-Semitism that can be taken you know, to its worst. Certainly, with uh, murders and deaths that's there. But again, so much of it is just built on these sort of conspiracy theories that, you know, Jews are going to control things and they're going to, they, they among all the people, are going to uh, affect the lives of, and in these instances, you know, sort of the white nationalists.
0: And that kind of trope has been going around for decades. Yeah, it's just amazing, well, amazing when all the information comes out and the actual, real world uh, action show that that is not the case, but they still got to hold on to them.
1: That's the nature of conspiracy theories, and um, uh, and it's also the nature of, of hate. There's a there's a gentleman that I follow. His name's Eric Ward. He used to be at the Western States Center. Uh, just a, a great scholar on the on extremists. And he and I just happened to be in Washington, D.C. and saw him again, so it reminds me. He he said that um, sort of the insidious thing about anti-Semitism is that when Jews are perceived to be at their least vulnerable times is when anti-Semitism often spreads the most. So in other words, when Jews might be viewed to have some measure of privilege, some uh, affluence, some influence that's out there, yet it's still you know, that anti-Semitism can go against them. And, you know, the nature of this conspiracy theory that is anti-Semitism is it's irrational. It doesn't matter if Jews are rich or they're poor, if they, um, you know, have some influence, they don't, if they're perceived to be greedy or they're perceived to be spendthrift or, um, you know, any of these things, it, it doesn't really matter at its heart. Um, unfortunately, this ancient disease has still persisted.
0: Is it fair to say that by looking at anti-Semitism, it gives us a real good idea of the state of hate in America?
1: Oh, my. Absolutely. Um, You know, at the Anti-Defamation League, we're, again, kind of privileged because we work on data and we collect this information, and we're one of the few targeted communities that can do that. But we can, you know, you sort of see the trends year over year of of anti-Semitism, When you run that in correlation to FBI hate crime statistics and other things, clearly when uh, other targeted groups have the same problems. Anti-Semitism is often referred to as the canary in the coal mine. And, you know, uh, there's been everybody from, um, you know, Deborah Lipstadt, who's the ambassador on anti-Semitism, to Martin Luther King, who all sort of in one form or the other have a quote. That says that if you really want to look at the health of democracy, you have to see how it treats its Jews, um, mm. because it is such a reflection of what his, uh, others are facing at the same time. You know, you're dealing with this um, sort of ancient disease that's been around for three thousand years. So, unfortunately, <laughs> there are way too many there are way too many data points. Uh, That influence. Yeah, three thousand years worth
0: of data points. That's right. On this edition, our subject is controlling and knocking down the reoccurrence of hate and extremism. Our guest is Scott Levin, Regional Director of the Anti-Defamation League Mountain States Region. We'll continue our conversation with him on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Get your updated COVID shots should you need them. And many thanks to you as well for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.